Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. We will expend necessarily far less time on this than every other news outlet has this week. Racing's response to the Grand National protest, Animal Rising, and indeed Animal Rising's activities continued at air yesterday. What have you made of racing's response, Rafe, to this on the airwaves over the last week? I thought Kevin Blake was excellent, um, for one. And... Uh, I'm sure you would be in the same situation. Well, and you, Cornelius. I'll tell you one of the reasons why I wouldn't have been as good as Kevin on that show at that time on, on Five Live was because he clinically dismantled the, the animal rising activists. I thought it, you with, know, th this with, is the line with, we should be taking. With facts yeah. and, and, and without emotion. I, I've been on some of those uh, talk shows occasionally and have found myself getting far too emotional and, and wound up. You have to be really clear thinking, clinical, have the facts at your disposal, and gently pick apart the arguments without disrespecting the person you know, as, a, as a human being. Well, and that you've, you've said a very important thing there, um, the, the, the uh, disrespecting the people. It's, it's got to be the, the content which uh, people analyse. There is a, there is a, a sort of uh, inclination to say, oh, these awful people, they've all got, you know, I don't know, they're, they're all young or got earrings or pink hair or whatever it is. They know nothing about racing. Actually, it's important to analyse uh, what is being said and um, stand up for racing. Uh, Kevin has been absolutely outstanding. I thought it was striking what he was speaking about on Five Live and I think Richard Hoyles on LBC Radio mm. was to take the to, to talk more about the fact that these horses are bred to do this because racing is inclined to say we take we we take care of these horses. We're, we're, we uh, friends who watched the Grand National coverage were inclined to say. Gosh, you, a lot of people go on all the time about how much you care and how brilliant you are at caring for them. It's almost as though you're, you're overdoing that. Too much, but yeah. these horses are bred to do what they do, and that is something that is well worth emphasising. Uh, and, you know, quick word about the Jockey Club dash Aintree. Nevin Truesdale had a particularly good few days, I thought. He got, he got the, out there, didn't he? He got out there. He, his thinking was, was, clearly, uh, was very clear. His words were very clear. Uh, I thought he did an absolutely superb job. Uh, interestingly, on, on this programme in 2019, after Cheltenham, I think it was, uh, the then BHA chief executive, Nick Rust, introduced a lot of themes that were sort of dismissed, really, by the industry at the time, some of which now, Rafe, are, are coming back quite readily this week in terms of just the, the, the overall feeling toward the working animal, towards the farm animal. It's no longer good enough for us to say, well, you don't approve of the working animal or the farm animal, it's no longer good enough, that argument. No. Uh, that's there is a, a shift. There is a cultural shift. Uh, there is. You, you know, I, I go back to what Kevin said, you know, the 50,000 horses, what are you going to do with them? And how are, you going to, how are you going to find employment for all those people? You know, you've got to, the, the numbers are there to support racing's mm. case. That's what we've got to concentrate on. Uh, and 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 the rest of it is fluff. What I liked about um, Richard Hawes' interview on LBC was he, was he was talking an awful lot about the positive impact animals have on the workforce and the people, the amount of people yeah. that, not just horse racing, but horse sport, equestrian sport, 80,000 employees in equestrian sport in this country. 
and the difference that, that working animals are making to their lives. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's not racing's fault that, that, uh, that we live in a largely urban society. We have to get the message out that, you know, this is, this is, we're an important part of, of uh, the culture of this country, you know. The, the, the horse is an important part of, of everyday life. The people who don't see that don't see horses all the time. I thought, you know, Kevin, <laughs> Kevin when, he, when, he, when uh, the animal rising man was asked if he'd ever been in a training stable, his response said it all, you know. He'd never been near one, ever. And that's what we should be, the line we should be taking, you know. Prove to these guys that you don't know what you're talking about. Oh, all, all that said, and completely correct, that the Jockey Club and Aintree are clearly, and the British Horse Racing Authority, are clearly looking at what they can do to, to improve things. And it, it is important not to just say, you know, we're quite happy with what we're doing. The most people don't have a particularly strong view, but they're happy to allow uh, racing to go ahead well, well regulated, or the, the Grand National to go ahead well regulated. But it's important to keep on emphasising to that vast majority of people who are quite happy about it all that the, the sport still cares and that the Jockey Club and Aintree as the, the, um, the ringmasters with the Grand National, they still care. So they, they must look at things like the parade, the start, the run yeah. to the first fence, what that first fence is. And it's important to do that and to make it clear you're doing that. Why, uh, John Franklin made this point years and years ago and there must be an answer to the, this question. Why is the start so far away from the first? It's already been moved closer to the first Has once, hasn't it? Yeah. But, but it's still a long run, though, isn't it? Even it, is, it is still a long run. Some, some, um, some sort of uh, stopwatches. Uh, I, I heard Chester Williams talking this week that it was noticeable how much longer mm. it takes to run from the start to the first fence in the national as opposed to the Fox Hunters race and the, the top of mm. them. And, and Simon Rowlands has done some very important uh, work timing how long it took the runners to get from the start to the first. And he said over the last couple of years, there's been a significant increase in the speed with which jockeys are going mm. from the start to the first, showing that they're effectively ignoring those brief things that they're getting at the beginning of the day. They must bear some responsibility, I think, mustn't they? Uh, you know, I, I, I think it's very simple. You just move the start. If there's no reason other, that you can't move the start, the other side of the Marmay course, and, you know, they've got 15 strides to get there. You know, they, they won't go as fast. I, I and the, the number of runners is the other thing I missed out. That's clearly something else that will be analysed, whether 40 is the, is the correct number. I thought Chuck Hannon said something interesting this week. What about making the first fence sort of a normal fence, which would then mean, what, the 16th fence? You know, it, it's a... You know, the, the, everyone's sort of... Uh, why, do you, why do you sigh quite like that? Because um, then are you not... Are you not um, then surprising the horse? At the, I don't know. Yeah. I don't... But everything, everything. The practice jump idea didn't, I didn't think was a terrible one. Like no. France, we've never done that, have we? In, no. um, uh, or never been done in Ireland either. I don't think so. Not intentionally, anyway. Let's let's remember a horse called Spinning Saint from the 1980s that ran in one of the early races on uh, Grand National Day, and Norman Babbage who rode it for yes. his family riding the horse, and they went uh, over onto the far side of the track. Spinning Saint had different ideas. He quite fancied the first fence, and uh, he went yeah, off he down the Grand National. Yeah, well, he yeah. certainly went charging towards it. Yeah, magnificent, brilliant horse that Spinning Saint as well. Wonderful horse.
The Robin Brisland case this week. Robin Brisland is a trainer who trains at Danbury Stables in Hampshire. He was fined £8,000 by an independent tribunal at the British Horse Racing Authority. And the senior member of staff, William Degner, was fined £3,000. They accepted charges brought before them relating to the treatment of uh, quite a few of their staff, most notably uh, young uh, female employees who uh, had had a pretty, pretty wretched time uh, felt under, under Brisland's employ, Cornelius. Felt this is afraid, quite a case, intimidated and belittled um, were the, the three words describing it. Um, you know, there is much debate over the penalties. There was, um, I don't know if the technical term is plea, plea bargain, is it? It was a plea acceptance. Yeah, plea acceptance. An acceptance of so an acceptance of, um, of infringement of the rules so that the fine of 8,000 and uh, 3,000, as you say. Um, you know, there will be debate about the rights and wrongs of whether that was enough, whether there should have been a ban, etc., etc. Put that to one side for a second. Uh, and the, the, the details of this were Quite pretty shocking. awful. The language was bad enough, um, but, but um, even worse uh, is the fact that people were injured and then expected to ride on. People were injured and not um, given the opportunity to go to hospital. Uh, it just sounded, it sounded Dickensian. And at a time when, and Rafe will confirm this more than anyone in the studio, when it's hard enough to get staff, Anyone thinking, any person thinking they might go and work in a racing stable to read something like this, any parent or, or family of somebody thinking of going to a racing stable, you, you'd slightly make them think twice, wouldn't you? Uh, it, it is just, it is the, the, the worst possible situation for racing, which we all know is not living in a bygone age, but it, it finds it very hard to shake off that, uh, that caricature, and this only, um, only adds to that. Is it obvious to you where the line is? as an employer yeah and what your responsibilities are yeah what I'm I mean obviously this there's nothing good about this what I'm astonished about is that the the, the two girls in question kept showing showing up to work you know you, you know just it's amazing that they carried on apart from anything else you know the girl who was injured you know just I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't dream of of asking you know, if the evidence obviously is correct because they they admitted guilt to it. But I just wouldn't dream of putting a, somebody on a horse that they'd already had a bad time on. Just goes against every everything, anything that makes any sense, apart from anything else. Quite apart from the way they were treated, I, I thought it was just astonishing. I couldn't, you know, couldn't couldn't process it really. Isn't it crucial now that clearly the, the, the licence hasn't been suspended because presumably they want to make sure that the, that the workforce and the business is, is running, so the licence hasn't been suspended, F fines are there and you can debate whether the penalty is serious enough or not, and I think most people think it's not serious enough, but do the BHA not now have a responsibility to reassure the rest of of the sport and those outside that that this is a this is a stable that will be closely monitored well i think we can we can uh, safely assume that that will be the yeah. case uh, we can safely assume but you shouldn't assume that everybody else should should no, assume uh, yeah yeah i don't i don't know how you how you manage that you know but i'm uh, i think we can we can be sure that they will be will be safely uh, they will be uh it will be monitored closely. Uh, you know, uh, the question I'd have is how, how Robin gets anybody to work for him after this 
incident. I mean, who, who's going to go and work for him um, on a full-time basis? That's the bit that... So anyway, you, you asked Rafe, did, did, did he know where the line as an employer was? It's, it's even more than that. It's, you know, it's, it's sort of practically unhuman, isn't it? Inhuman uh, to, to actually start behaving like that. It's, 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 it's appalling. It's not, it's not really to do with employing somebody. It's to do with being another human being and dealing with people. I agree. Um, and I, I spoke earlier in the week about old school, new school. People say, oh, this always happened in the old days. I'm not sure it did. I think you know, people knew then but the, sports the basic got... tenets of, of good, uh, yeah, good, 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 good behaviour. You know, well-documented you know, Jimmy Fitzgerald, for example, you know, famously hard on... <laughs> you know, I, don't, I never saw anything like that. And, you, and you, were at the, you were at the toughest school there was at the, yeah. at the time. Yeah. Um, Pat Cosgraves had a, had a bad week. He went to Chelmsford to ride a horse called Concord, uh, somewhat ironically, um, who was busy living up to his name and was going to win by miles. And then um, Pat had a bit of a brain freeze here. He looked over his right shoulder, had half a glance over his left. He must have seen there was a horse there at some point. Um, there. So he just had a half a look there in the, in the left wing mirror. But reckoned without the finish of the horse on the on the inside. Let's hear from him after the race. I've just made a judgment error and just um, made a mistake and the eventually when I just got up my inside and I just just caught me unaware and I've made a big mistake and uh, look first of all I'd like to apologize to the connection Mr. Mr. Roy, also to my my trainer George Bowie. Um, it's, um, yeah, it's a bit embarrassing, really, but uh, I have to just um, take it on chin and, and say, try and, you know, I, I, you know, as I say, I'm really embarrassed and I'm really sorry for the connections, you know, for, you know, the horse should have won and, um, yeah. Mm. It, was a, it was a pretty bad one, wasn't it, really? It was. I feel sorry for Pat. days, yeah. yeah. I feel sorry for Pat, you know, obviously, he wasn't trying to be, he just got it wrong. I... I I bumped into Paul Roy on his way out of Newbury yesterday. He 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 was pretty sanguine about it, and had, uh, he quick to tell me that he'd spoken to Pat. And you know, as far as he was concerned, it was all in the past. So, you know, people make mistakes. They, you know, it's a horse race. These things happen. You know, okay, so it's not it's not a good look, but it'll happen. It's happened before, and it'll and it happen, happen again. again. Yeah. And it's quite interesting. Earlier in the programme, you were talking about the annual Sean Levy winner and him giving it one crack too many and winning by too far. Is that culture of winning too far too ingrained in these jockeys and it therefore puts situations like this more, more at risk of happening? I don't know. I'm well, not I'm saying, sure. Is it, isn't it actually your fault? Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. probably. Well, but I think that that particular horse had won at Redcar on Tuesday. Mm. And uh, Pat was trying to look after it because presumably he had he targets next, next week. week and, yeah. There's lots of layers to it. There always are. Mm. Uh, there is going to be a grandstand at Chelmsford, so you can watch that from a grandstand rather than from a temporary facility on the, on the infield. Did you see the artist impression in the No, is it look good? Media? It looks... Have we got it? I think we... Yeah, we I have? Think, yeah. Tell you what, we don't just throw this program. <laughs> <laughs> hey, my, yeah. wow. wow, my God. That's, I haven't that, seen that. That's planned for Chelmsford. Lovely day, isn't it?
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> impression. Um, but, um, you know, this is a, a 70 million pound. Which is arrivals and which is departures. <laughs> this is a 70 million pound project, which is going to have the, the usual type of stuff that you need on a race course and much more. So it, there's, a, there's a conference aspect to it. Uh, there's a destination uh, aspect to it. That, what does that uh, mean? Well, I'm not quite sure, but it's a good word, isn't it, to throw in. So it means you're doing more than just uh, having it there for, for race days. You're having it there for conferences. You're having it... Uh, available for a, a very populated part of the country yeah. to have as a as a really good extra thing. I noticed also that they're, they're talking about not in there, but 350 stables as well. Uh, possibility of uh, putting quite a lot of stables in. So that's because this thing, uh, which which in Britain has never really taken off in the way that I think training it's on been the track. Is training on the track. Yeah. You know, if somebody would get behind that particular thought. There's been talk of it, at, and it's happened at Sutherland, at Wolverhampton, I think. But if somebody would get really behind it and really push that hard, that could be a massive boost for British racing. And we were talking about spreading the... Oh, you're, you're, I'm, sen I'm sensing you're not necessarily on the you? same page here. Never happened, Cornelius. Oh, well, that's different to you wouldn't like it to happen. No, exactly, completely. Why will it never happen? Because... Um, why would you go and train on a flat oval in Essex when you could train on Newmarket Heath? No, but the fact is that not everyone has that is lucky enough to have that particular opportunity. And there are people who probably go to Newmarket, go to Lambourne, find somewhere else, uh, some more established place, which isn't suitable. Actually, being able to take uh, a number of boxes at a number of stalls at, uh, at somewhere like Chelmsford would be more appropriate. It's, it's much harder to train horses on a flat oval than it is on Newmarket Heath. Why? Because the, the, the topography of, of Newmarket or Lambourne helps you get a horse fit, you know, helps you condition a horse in a way that training on a... going left-handed on a flat oval every day doesn't. And uh, I... I just don't see that happening. And what about the you know, the point that Cornelius made about the you know the, the social mobility aspect of it? If if it's if it's easier for people to get licensed in a premises like that, and that they can get going and get started and have three horses, four horses, and actually make a viable business out a of it. A horse. Yeah. Th th this is the bit that I've never got. When I started in two thousand, I, I I don't have the figures. But there were plenty of people who started training into, you know, around that time because prize money made it sustainable. And building starter yards wasn't, necessarily, not, wasn't necessary then. But far few people are starting training now, even though the boxes are available. You know, the boxes are available down the Hamilton Road. They are there. You can start training down the Hamilton Road. They're expensive, aren't they? Relatively. You know, to, to actually come up with a deal for Chelmsford uh, whereby people are really encouraged. And I think there are plenty of people who would love and, uh, and would get the opportunity to give it a go, um, using that expression um, loosely, who wouldn't ever do it in the Hamilton Road, who wouldn't ever do it on one of the, in one of the grand See, places. See, I don't think it is that expensive down the Hamilton Road. I don't think it is that expensive to, 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 to you know, I've done it. I've, I, I've rented, you know, I started renting. I rented for the first 10 or 12 years I was training longer. You know, I just don't see that, that being a viable project. It wasn't viable when Lingfield tried it 
in the in the, in the 90s it didn't happen Wolverhampton so, did it as well didn't yeah they? it yeah. didn't happen so why is it going to happen now at Chelmsford when prize money is less than it was then I can't see it more on prize money in a, a couple of moments time I, w I want to alert you if you hadn't read this in in the racing post or elsewhere to the case of Barry Wright former jump jockey uh, Cornelius Barry Wright went missing several years ago and the Belgian police have now closed the case file on this. Yeah, this is, this is uh, an extraordinary story, probably one of racing's most extraordinary stories of, um, of the modern era. Barry Wright, Barry spelt I-E rather than with a Y, Barry Wright was a jump jockey from the sort of late 70s through the 80s into the 90s as well, based a lot of the time in Cornwall, rode a lot for a trainer called Trevor Hallett. Uh, but rode around the West Country in particular, but, but uh, across the country. And he was not a particularly successful rider. Road winners, remember him riding a horse called Butler's Pet to win quite a few races, horse called Doc's Coat as well that won a few races. But he wasn't particularly successful, but he, he was quite a character. He, he was a big character, Baza, uh, I think uh, was his name. And he had BJ, his initials, uh, on his uh, helmet. So you, you always spotted him uh, at the races. But he had a pretty good lifestyle and... Uh, it became apparent that uh, that uh, he had perhaps um, associations that weren't uh, necessarily uh, all that savoury. Uh, and he ended up standing trial at Southampton Crown Court and was subsequently acquitted, accused uh, it was it was offences um, connected with importing cocaine. Uh, and he was acquitted, uh, but he got a he got a ban because uh, he gave evidence at that trial. And Graham Bradley was involved in the evidence as well about selling inside information. And his career sort of petered out. He went off to the um, he went off to the uh, after it petered out. He went off to the continent. He was based in in Belgium. Um, he he made plenty of headlines through being this not very successful jockey who was quite glamorous, was associated with uh, lots of quite glamorous people as well. Uh, was living in Belgium, and then in 2020, he left a meal with his family and he vanished. And it's uh, believed he was uh, kidnapped. Uh, there were there, there was talk of uh, of uh, ransoms, etc. But he has never been seen since 2020, and that missing persons file wow. has been closed by the Belgian police. Um, you know, when you think from Butler's pet to that kind of thing via Southampton Crown Court, it was some story, but with a very sad ending, particularly for his for his family and his friends. A brave man's game and the ownership of brave, man ga brave man's game has been a, a story that has, has dominated in, in the last couple of weeks. You'll be well familiar now with, the, with John Dance and, and the collapse of his, of his business empire and brave man's game was unable to run at Aintree because the Financial Conduct Authority had passed information to the British Horse Racing Authority uh, to do with uh, brave man's game as, a, as an asset of John Dance. It, it seems as though Paul Nichols thinks he might be able to run him still at Punchestown, but uh, it's got to be un unlikely. Well, did, did the headline say, you know, if he's allowed to run, then he will be running at uh, uh, Punchestown? The race is Tuesday, isn't it? Yeah. Um, well, is know, it Tuesday or Wednesday? Is it Wednesday? Tuesday or Wednesday? There's so many goodies at Punchestown this week. Wednesday. It, it's Wednesday. So many goodies at Punchestown this week uh, to watch on Racing TV. Mm, every um, race but, live Racing TV. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, you'll be there as well. But uh, no, uh, it, it, as we were discussing the other day, the, the, the fact is that this horse, Brave Man's Game, uh, ran such a storming race at Cheltenham, is clearly a big equine character, one of the most talented equine characters around. Well, that may be very important to us, and it is important important to racing but um, but to, to the financial conduct um, authority 
uh, he is a, he is yeah, a, an, an asset, asset on a bit of paper. And if there are creditors that have been that have been left significantly out of pocket by the collapse of this of WellTech business empire, then they're going to need paying. And how do you pay it? Um, uh, this is a pretty worrying situation for anyone who's involved in a lot of the horses that John Dance owns or has owned. Uh, Rafe, isn't it? Yeah, there's a lot. There's going to be a lot of. Have you got any dance? No, I've never trained for John. Um, I don't. I, 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 I had a drink with John a couple of years ago, at Newcastle, when he sponsored the Vertem for the fir the Futurity for the first time. But I, I uh, no, I don't. I don't think he's. You know, I've never trained for him. Rumours were swirling for a while, though, weren't they, Nick? And and have been for some years. You know, training debts and so on. So it's not a surprise, but. Unfortunate on every level, and, and uh, needs to be carefully managed, obviously, by uh, the BHA in terms of horse welfare and what goes on, people welfare, whether everybody gets paid, the people who are looking after the horses, and etc. etc. It's like yeah. an octopus, isn't it? It, it is going to exactly. touch, potentially yeah. going to touch so many different parts, whether it's horses, whether it's staff, whether it's sponsorship of race courses, and on and on and on, and all the ancillary services as well. It's, it's a big, big old story. But as far as the FCA is concerned, uh, you know, it's got a job to do, and I don't imagine it cares too much about Grade 1 chases at Punchestown Live on Racing TV this week. No, indeed not. We will still see Galapin des Champs en voile, and even if we don't see even if we don't see Brave Mouse Game, every race live here on, uh, on Racing TV from Punchestown. The white paper is imminent. We think Thursday for the white paper. 7 a.m. 7 a.m. Thursday. <laughs> Set your <we're> alarm. <laughs> it's, gone, it's gone Tuesday, Thursday, Tuesday, Thursday, Tuesday, back to Thursday again. So expect but to is it, Am I right? Are there, are there questions to the culture secretary? Uh, questions to, the, uh, to Lucy Fraser on Thursday, yeah. Right. So, so She's not going to want to stand up and say, yeah, it's, it's next week now. So we think it's, it's going to come. But many people, Rafe, have made the point that this is... As Neil Channing said last week, this is the menu. It's the menu only. It's not actually what's necessarily going to happen. It doesn't become law yet. It's just the proposal. It's consultative, technically, is it? Or is it a bit more than that? Discussion. Discussion. Where should racing position itself now? It, it roughly knows what's going to appear in this white paper. Well, uh, you know, the first question, I, uh, the bit that fascinates me is, is uh, have the bookmakers been hiding behind this as well? In the sense of, have they been using it not to, not to stand, not to close accounts and, and to not stand bets because you know all oh, the white paper is coming. I think the whole the whole thing has been. Well, we had that whole argument on this show, didn't we, with Andrew Rhodes from the Gambling Commission, who was saying we haven't yeah. mandated anything, and they're like, oh yes, you have. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people hiding behind each other. I suspect. Um, but that's the result of confusion. When you get delays, you get confusion. Then you get more delays, you get more confusion. And, you know, again, it's touching so many different... It's bookmakers, but it's also... No one's taking so many responsibility. Yeah. No one's really taking responsibility, have they? And that's the problem here. Nobody's standing well, up saying, this is what is going to happen. And, and uh, you know, everything flows out from that. I, you know, I don't have any faith in... <laughs> in what will happen next, really, you know, I fear for what's going to happen next. Well, what happens next is the subject of what we might be discussing uh, very shortly, but those were this week's Talking Points. <laughs>